hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh God, we thank you for just who you are. And how we, we stand amazed at, at the blessings that you give us. Even in the midst of, of difficult times, even when we, we may be struggling in our lives, we know that you are there. So God, as we continue to talk about prayer and as we continue to talk about who you are in the midst of our lives, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So you may have to think back a couple of weeks because I, I know we, we started this series at the beginning of September and then had a couple of sermons and then we had the lay servant Sunday, then we had the celebration last week, and now we're back in our series on the journey of prayer and, and what exactly that is. And, and I, love, I love the imagery of a journey of prayer. And I love that imagery because that's what it is. Prayer is not just one single thing that we do and then we're done with it. It, it, It's something that carries us through all of our lives. It's something that, that, you know, we we start with our itty-bitties or when we were itty-bitty and and we learned the Lord's Prayer or, you know, maybe you did that, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep that that prayer. You know, we we, we teach our kids to pray and we've learned to pray when we were were small, but as we grow, our, our, our prayer life continues to grow. Our, our, our prayer life continues to guide us and to shape us and, and to lead us so that we can become even more connected to the one who created us, the one who loved us, the one who, who sustains us through all of our lives. That's why when we're talking about this, this journey of prayer, it, it, it's, it comes in, in the three different cycles, if you will, or, or, or three different aspects and we talked about how we have this inward prayer, and we have an, an upward prayer, which we're focusing on today, and then uh, in a couple of weeks we're going to talk about the, the outward prayer. Each of these moments helps us to connect with the triune God, the, 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 the three persons of, of the Trinity, the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Each one of these movements isn't like we're praying to a separate God, but, but I think it helps us to see fully who God is within that triune personhood, if you will. And today we're going to talk more about what exactly upward prayer is. And in order to get an understanding of what upward prayer is, we need to start in the Gospel of Luke the 24th chapter. Now, one quick note. Um, we had kind of a technical difficulty with uh, the slides and with ProPresenter in between worship services, so the, sur- the scriptures will not be up on, on the screen. So 
um, don't don't look back there thinking that they're doing anything wrong. It, it, it's this guy who did something wrong. So that's why we, we won't have that. But the first part, we don't need the, really the scriptures. So we're going to talk a little bit about the story. The story that we have here. So Jesus was, was crucified dead and, and he rose. Yay, Christ is risen. And, and we hear about the, the women that, that went to the tomb and the tomb was empty and, and they ran back to the disciples and Peter and John, they, they go and they go check out to see what's, what's happening at the tomb. And Peter looks in and the tomb is empty. And the next thing we see is that there are two disciples they're, they're, they're walking this road from, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And, and as they're walking along, they, they, they're, they're having a hard time grasping exactly what they saw happen in, in Jerusalem, and especially grasping the fact that, okay, so we saw Jesus crucified, we saw him placed in the tomb, but now they're saying he's not there. What do we do with that? We have no idea how to really put that into words or put into actions how we respond to what happened. And then Jesus comes along. And, and as Jesus is walking with these two disciples, he, he starts explaining to them and reminding them the story that they already knew. And when they got to the, this destination, Jesus was going to go on ahead of them, but, but the disciples called him back and, and decided to offer the opportunity for them to break bread together. And when he broke the bread, it revealed to them who was there with him. And then we see Jesus appearing to the disciples as they're in the upper room and sharing who he is and how he is there in their midst. Kind of an inward movement with the disciples. And then Jesus takes the disciples out to the mountain close to Bethany. And while he is there, he raises his hands and he blesses them. And as he blesses them, he is carried away into the heavens. And that brings us to our scripture for this morning from Luke chapter 24, verses 52 and 53. After the disciples are, are looking and they see Jesus going off into the clouds, Luke writes, Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So you can look here. We have these, these two movements kind of intertwined with each other. We have this inward movement when Jesus is, is with the disciples and, and, and distilling their fears and, and showing them that, that he is risen and, and that, that he is alive and then taking them and blessing them and then rising to heaven to be ascended next to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And what do the disciples do? They, they immediately start to pray upward. They, they, they immediately start to going to the temple and they continue to praise God over and over again. Now, I, I could easily say if it were me after Jesus ascended to heaven that I would just probably go home and just kick my feet back and go, yeah, everything's all good. 
But no, not the disciples. Disciples knew that they were called then to give thanks, to praise God for, for all that God has done, through all that God had revealed through Jesus Christ, through all that God had given through the gift of the Holy Spirit, and all who God, who God is by his amazing love, grace, and, and pour it out upon all of the disciples. See, what the disciples have done was a reaction. It, it was a reaction to what they have already experienced. Richard Foster, in his book, Prayer, he, he writes these words. He says, prayer is the human response to the perpetual outpouring of love by which God lays siege to every soul. Let me, let me repeat that one more time. Prayer is the human response to the perpetual outpouring of love by which God lays siege to every soul. So it is a reminder to us that when we talk about upward prayer, that it is a response it's not something that we do on our own, but the upward prayer is something we do because of what God has already done for us. Last week we talked about celebration. And one other thing that I said is I think that we have a lack of celebration in our lives right now. Now, if there is any celebration... It's more about how we are much better than the other person or, or being college football or after a college football and today being a football day, we know that we celebrate how our team is better than the other team. And we, we never really talk about how good our team can be. At least whenever I look at social media, it's not that. It always talks about how bad the other team is or how the other team had did, done something that had made our team not do as well as our team should have been. See, we don't want to, to celebrate just the opportunity that we didn't get to play a game. We, we get to play a game, and we get to cheer on people to, to, to do something that I know I could never do. E even when I was younger, I, there was no way in the world I could have gotten on a football field and done anything that even a high school student, or to be honest, anything that a junior high student could, could do. But a lot of our celebrations has to do with putting somebody else down so that we can raise ourselves up. See, that's not the type of celebration that, that Christ wants us to be a part of. That's not the type of celebration that, that we are called to do. The, the type of celebration that I believe that, that Jesus is calling us to do through our lifting up of upward prayer is that we have the opportunity to be together as one. That's one of the biggest prayers that Jesus prayed in the Gospel of John. Lord, let them be one as we, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are one. Let, let what binds us together, the things that, that we celebrate together as the triune God, let that be what they celebrate together as those that are created by God. You know, it's the same thing with prayer. 
it's very easy for us to get get lost and, and to get focused on on inward prayer. It, it, it's so easy, and, and really it is the first step for us to, to really start thinking about what it is that I need God to do in my life, to make my life better, to, to make those who I love and care for, to, to make sure that they are okay. But if, if we hold on to just that mode of prayer, we have the tendency to lose fully out on who God is. See, the image of intimacy in prayer is not just lifting up supplications to God, but it has an opportunity for us to see prayers of thanksgiving, to see prayers of praise. To, to allow that to be the driving force of how we communicate with our creator. So we need to think and talk about exactly what these forms of adorations are all about. So what exactly is a prayer of thanksgiving? A, a, a prayer of thanksgiving is, is giving glory to God for what he has done for us. So, so while we spend this time in, in inward prayer lifting things up, if all we do is lift things over and over again, it, it can feel like our prayer life is stalled or, or feels like we're not getting the full uh, impact of our prayers. But what we must do is just make sure that while we're lifting up these supplications, while we're lifting up these things to God, that we stop and say, God, we need to give thanks for what you have already done. When I look at the history of this church, when I look at even my own life, I, I, I can easily get swallowed up in those things that haven't gone well or those things that, that I want fixed or those things that I think should be better. But well, the fact of the matter is, if we give glory to God for what he has already done, won't that inform our prayers in a different way so that we see our lives in a different light? You know, when you look at the entirety of the Psalms, you see a lot of prayers of thanksgiving. Over and over again, we see that the psalmist knew that one of the main acts that they were to do was to give thanks to God. Psalm 136, verses 1 through 3. It's one of the most powerful and, and memorable prayers about thanksgiving. You'll, you'll, you'll know this, and you'll be familiar with it when you hear these words. The psalmist writes, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures Forever, Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. And the psalmist continues in, in this, this litany, if you will, this call and response, talking about the goodness of God, talking about giving thanks to God. Thanks to God. Wow, that was weird. <laughs> so giving thanks to God. And, and in the midst of giving thanks to God, it's not because of 
little things that have happened in the psalmist's life. They give thanks to God because his steadfast love endures forever. There are a lot of trials and a lot of tribulation within the Psalms. And, and, and we see how David w w was, was trapped in a cave and he wrote prayers. When David was being, uh, being uh, treated wrong, when David was, was doing things, even when David was in the midst of his own sin, he knew that he could give thanks to God because his steadfast love endures forever. This past week after uh, Sunday, Trace and I, we had the opportunity to take uh, three days and go up to a Broken Bow just to spend some time away, and it, it was so good. And when we were up there, uh, we were getting ready to go to bed one night, and I realized that we left the lights on outside of the cabin. And there was a switch that you had to go out around the corner and flip to turn those lights off. And so I just wandered outside and went back, and I, I flipped that switch and started to walk back to the door. And, and something just told me to look up. And, and I looked up and just stopped. Because, you know, you know here in Royce City, you can see the stars and everything, but you know we're we're starting to get steadyfied here, and all that growth and everything that's happening out here. So it's not as bright as it as it used to be. But being out there in the midst of just the, whatever that is out there, looking up and seeing all of the stars, and knowing that I'm not even seeing even a a I'm not seeing like maybe a, a tenth or a whatever of what is up there, it, it made me stop and it just made me give thanks. Because there I got to see how good God was. How, how, how great his love for me because he allowed me the opportunity to see his beauty in that moment. And knowing that that is beauty that he gets to see over and over again. But we can get stuck if we just stop at the prayers of thanksgiving. We, as we, we move towards this intimacy that we need from our creator, need to move into prayers of praise. And what the prayers of praise are, it's giving glory to God for who he is in himself. See, prayer of praise is a higher uh, plane than a prayer of thanksgiving. A theologian, Ole Halsby, says that when I give thanks, my thoughts still circle about myself to some extent. But in, in praise, my, but, but in praise, it should ascend to self-forgetting adoration seeing and praising only the majesty and power of God in his grace and his redemption. See, a, a, a prayer of, of thanksgiving basically deals with what I see. 
So, for example, me out there at Broken Bow, standing outside, turning off the light and looking up and seeing the, the, the beautiful starscape there in front of me, that was still a part of my experience. It was something that, that I got to enjoy, and I was able to say thank you, God, for that. But a prayer of praise being a higher plane that Thanksgiving says that it goes beyond anything that I can fully receive, but it is about who God is and what he gives each and every one of us and basically just who God is. We see the act of thanksgiving in the Psalms, but we also see acts of praise. In Psalm 146, verses 1 through 2, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. There, there's nothing in there about a, a transactional moment. It is all about giving praise and honor to the one who, who is and was and is to come. It is about giving all praise and honor to the one who, who is there and allowing that moment of intimacy to allow who God is to fully live inside of who we are. So how do we live out prayers of adoration and thanksgiving and, and how does that allow us to experience the intimacy that we need first and foremost prayers of thanksgiving and prayers of praise allows us the opportunity to take the focus off of us and place that focus onto God There's a phrase that I think kind of disappeared in 2020 and 2021. But I think it's a phrase that we need to start talking about again. And that phrase is hurry sickness. Hurry sickness is a phrase that means that, that we are so busy moving, we are so busy trying to accomplish things and to do things that we just get tired, worn out, and burdened down. And I know that it is something that I am struggling with. And, and I try to think about how much I can fill up much of my time so I can make up for, for the time that I've lost in the past. But one of the things that I've come to understand is that, number one, there is absolutely nothing that I can do to make up for time in the past. That I can only do the things that I can take care of right here and right now. And, and the biggest danger of that is, is where is the focus? The focus is right here. The focus is on me again. What is it that I can do? But if, if we were to, to release that from our own lives... And if we were able to, to take the opportunity to turn that where the focus is now on God and we're giving all thanksgiving and praise to God for what he has already done and what God will do in the future, how will that change our relationship with God? How will that change the relationship within one another? And how will that change the relationship within myself? 
to know, as I say over and over again, that I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights, and I live in God's unshakable kingdom. And God's shakable kingdom is never in trouble, so neither are we. See, taking the opportunity to realize that the focus should never be on me, but the focus should always be on Christ, helps us to see how we can build in that intimacy with Christ, knowing that the one that we've had all of these inward prayers, these, these prayers that are, are personal to us, that, that we are, are lift, lifting them up and giving them to the one who can actually do something about our prayers, do something about our anxiety, do something about our grief, do something about just add it to the list. When we are able to do that, it frees us so that we can then focus our attention. Rotary uh, has started to meet in person again over the past few months, and I enjoy going to Rotary meetings because they have some really good speakers that, that, uh, that appear, that, that come and, and share what's going on in, in the community and what's going on in their uh, personal endeavors. And, and, and I, I love going to these meetings because it allows me just a chance to stop and, and to listen and, and to hear some great stories. But one time, uh, one of these past Rotary meetings, I, I sat next to the, uh, the door. The Rotary meets over at the Melody Room over at, at City Hall. And we were standing by the door, and I think the senior citizens were starting to gather because that's where they have their senior citizens' lunch and everything. And, and there started to be a lot of talking and, and noise happening out in the hallway. And, and I started to get frustrated. I was like, how they know that we have a meeting in here. They should be more quiet when they're, they're out there talking. And then I can't remember who it was, but somebody sitting next to me got up and they shut the doors. And it's amazing when those doors were shut, how quiet it got. It's like, oh. And, and I thanked him for doing that. And he said, well, yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure that my attention was fully on the speaker. And, and the best way to do that was just by shutting the doors. And then I thought to myself, huh. How, can, how is that like our own prayer lives at times? That sometimes when we go to God in prayer, sometimes when we take the opportunity to try to, to listen to God or try to give our praise and adoration to God, there's little things that kind of get in the way. There are things that maybe we feel like we need to do. There are things that maybe we have said, things that we have done that, that keeps us from having our attention fully on the one that we're there to give prayer to. Sometimes we need to stop the noise that is within us so that we can hear God say to us, well done, good and faithful servants. See, it's easy for us to make prayer about something about escaping or, or getting rid of things. Richard Foster says that spending time in thanksgiving and praise is not trying to escape nor retreat from the struggles and hardships of modern life. Rather, it's giving us a point of reference from which to face the struggles and hardships.
See, when we take the opportunity to, to, to focus in praise and thanksgiving, it's not saying that all of the other stuff is, is gone, but it's allowing us to, to, to take that time and focusing it on the one who gives us life. It allows us to take that time to say, God, I am giving you this moment and I give you praise. I give you all honor. I give you all glory. I give you thanks for all that you've done. Spend this time with me so that I may fully live in you. My hope and my prayer is that as we continue to, to seek for the intimacy that we need, is that we can stop. Stop the noise. Stop the, the movement around us. And let's give our focus to God. Let us pray. Oh God, through these motions of prayer, praying inward, knowing what, who we are and those struggles that we have in our lives, praying upward to allow you to, to be who we focus on to give you thanks, to give you praise, to, to allow that form of prayer to guide us and to gird us, to know that while the earth shakes around us, while our lives may have trials and difficulties and pain, that you are still there. You are still there leading us and, 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 and protecting us. The image of the Psalms of us hiding underneath your wing, providing shelter from even the rockiest storms. Help us to freely live our lives, moving upward in prayer, so that you come to us and fill us with your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.